What were Jesus's parents' name? Uh, Mary and Joseph. Very good. Yes, very good. Got that very one. good. And approximately how many years ago did he live? Oh gosh, two hundred and fifty million years ago. Okay, how many wise men were? Um, twelve. All right, what did they bring Jesus as gifts? They brought him some wine. Who found the burning bush? Uh, Nixon? Nixon? What happened in the fight between David and Goliath? The story, what They happened? got in a fight with rocks. Who won? Goliath. Who was swallowed by the whale? Okay, now I'm on the spot. Um, Joe. DiMaggio. Cain and. Abel. That's right. Who were they? Uh, sitcom. The Old Testament was originally written in what language? Um, isn't it Old English? Old English. Or Latin or something. How many apostles were there? Um, 40. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus sat with his apostles to eat and drink. The check was enormous. Adrian, finish this line from the Bible. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's car. How'd you guys do? Did I do pretty good? How many of you could not spell Leviticus? Raise your hand. Just a couple of them. Yeah. You know, as I was making up that quiz, I thought, I want to 
I want them to spell something, but then it dawned on me, I can't make you spell something unless I tell you what it is. So it wasn't supposed to be funny. That was just me being stupid because after I went back and read the question, I went, duh, it's right there. Um, you know, I love those, those uh, street interviews like Jay Leno does, and there's several of those. Sometimes they're pretty funny. And that one is, would be hilarious if it wasn't so sad, right? I, I don't know if you've felt it in our culture, in our world that we live in today. The truth is becoming less and less known and important. That the, the word of God, the truth of God is not only under attack, it's, it's even worse than being under attack it's completely neglected. The truth is losing in the world that we live in. You saw the professors. There's no place where it's more clear than in our universities and our colleges. Where very, very few of the professors who are the ones that are influencing young students even believe that God's word is true. That is his, that the Bible is actually God's word. And I've been reading some guys like Paul Little, who wrote a book, Know What You Believe. He wrote a book, Know Why You Believe. Uh, Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, he wrote a little book called More Than a Carpenter. What they were seeing is these young college students were leaving the bubble of their communities they were growing up in, and they would move off to college or to the university, and they would go into these classrooms that's hostile to the truth, of God's word. And these young college students would be uh, attacked if they remotely said, yes, I'm a Christian or I believe the Bible, and they would be attacked at, why do you believe that? And they couldn't give an answer. These young people didn't know what they believed, much less why they believed it. About the best they could come up with is, maybe grandpa told me that. Not, listen, I'm not knocking grandpas. I learned a lot from my grandpa. But they did not know the faith that they claimed to believe. And so it's, it's really important for us today to think about, do we know the truth? Do you know what you believe and why you believe it? Truth matters. Truth's important. Open your Bibles to the book of Galatians. And we're going to be bouncing around in Galatians uh, this morning, so put your Bible ninja skills on because we're going to be moving around a little bit in here because I want you to look and see Paul is having to deal with a church who's having issues with knowing the truth or knowing why they believe it, and he's having to help them out. Galatian Church is a church that Paul started on his first missionary journey, and he went into this place called Galatia, uh, around modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, and he goes in and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's many people that are one to the gospel and become followers of Jesus. They start following after Jesus. And then Paul, later on, is writing this letter back to deal with a controversy, with an issue that sprung up in this church. So let's look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. He doesn't mix words. He jumps right in it in this letter. Uh, Paul says in verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. 
Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul says, listen, I'm blown away how quickly you're deserting the gospel that I brought to you. The gospel of Christ, I brought that to you and you're deserting it. It's, it's a military term for, they didn't just turn away from their group of people, their, their group. They went and joined the, the opposite group, the group that they are embattled with. Paul says, listen, you've deserted the truth. You, you started following a, a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. And evidently, he says, there's, there's some people throwing you into confusion, trying to pervert it. Who are these people that are throwing them into confusion? Well, history calls them Judaizers. History calls them Judaizers. What they were were they were Jews who had grown up underneath the law. They had grown up being taught that you have to keep every word and every letter of the law. You have to follow all the cleanness laws. You have to do all those things uh, in order to please God. And they were, they were, everything they had was going into trying to follow that law. But those Jews somehow had heard about Jesus and he was the Messiah that they had been promised. And they believed that Jesus was that Messiah. But... They wanted, they wanted to believe in the Messiah, and they wanted to be followers of Jesus, but they did not want to let loose of the law. They didn't want to turn loose of that law they were following. And so the Judaizers, they sought to make living under the Mosaic law a requirement of the Christian faith. So these Jews were coming to these Gentiles in Galatia that had been won to the gospel of Jesus Christ. These Gentiles had grown up pagan. They had grown up not knowing anything about God and not anything about the Mosaic law. And these Jews who were following Jesus was coming to those Gentiles and saying, that's great, I'm glad you're a follower of our Messiah. But now you've got to come and be you've got to come become a Jew and follow the rule of the law. Otherwise, you can't follow our Messiah. You get where they're coming from there? And so Paul is saying, listen, guys, that's a completely different gospel than what I preach to you. And these people were not only attacking the gospel, they were attacking Paul. Paul says, listen, I know who these people are. I understand everything about these Jews that's telling you this lie. He says in chapter, in verse 11, I want you to know I preach the gospel that the gospel I preached is something that man made up. I didn't receive this from man. I received it from Christ. But as far as growing up a Jew, he says, listen, in verse 14, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews my own age. I, I was a Jew. I, I grew up underneath Judaism. As a matter of fact, I was a superstar. I understand where these Jews are coming from. I grew up under the law. As a matter of fact, he says, I was persecuting the church as a Jew until I was on the road to Damascus and I ran face first into Jesus Christ. And Jesus changed everything. He changed me. He changed my relationship to the law. And he says, listen, I've even had to oppose, chapter 2, verse 11, I've even had to oppose one of his disciples, Peter. He says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. So what was Peter doing? Well, Peter, when he was with the Gentiles, when he's over here with the Gentiles, everything was fine. 
he was talking about Jesus and the freedom that they found in Christ, but when he would get with his Jewish brothers, those Judaizers, those Jews who are now following Jesus, when he would get with those guys, he would break fellowship with the Gentiles. He wouldn't have anything to do with the Gentiles. He would shun them because they were not following the law. And, he, you know, a Jew can't eat with a Gentile because it would make them unclean. So you have to follow the cleanliness laws. So he was hanging out with his Jewish buddies, and he was shunning the Gentiles. Chapter 2, verse 16, or verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. He told He's telling Peter, he says, listen, nobody is justified by the law. As a matter of fact, he goes on in chapter 3 to talk about the law is a curse. It's a curse because no matter what I do, how hard I try, the law simply proves to me that I'm imperfect, that I can't follow the whole law, that I can't be innocent of every part of the law, that I can't be perfect. That's what the law does to me. That is the curse. But he says Jesus redeemed us from the curse that is the law. And he justified us. Nobody's justified by the law. We're justified by Jesus Christ. Now that's why it's important to understand the truth of what justified means. Justified means I was wrong and God made me right. That God took me from guilty and failure to follow his law, and he said, that's fine. I'm going, to, I'm going to make you innocent. I'm going to say you are right. You are righteous. And he takes the righteousness that's his son Jesus, and he imputes that to us. He wraps us in the righteousness of Christ. Now, why is that important? Because one day when I stand before Almighty God and he looks at me, he's not going to see my failures and my sins and my inability to follow his law. He's going to see the righteousness of his son Jesus that's been placed on me, and he's going to say, I see that you are underneath the righteousness of my son and therefore are perfect and can have relationship with me, and then therefore you can come into my glory. That's what justified means. I've been taken from the area where I'm wrong, I'm guilty, I'm going to suffer the punishment of my sin and my guilt, and he says, that's fine. In Jesus Christ, you have been made right. You have been made righteous. Paul says that's the only way it can happen. You can only be made righteous and right before God by Jesus Christ and not the law. The law is the curse. All it does is prove to you that you can't do it. Paul goes on to say in chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for it is righteousness could be gained through the law. Christ died for nothing. Listen, if I could earn righteousness before God and write favor in front of God by the law, then why would Jesus need to die? I can't. I can only earn it through Christ. And he says, it's not me, it's Christ that lives in me. So chapter 3, I know I told you on ninja skills this morning. Chapter 3, verse 1, Paul gets back to these Galatians and he says, listen, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you 
Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. When I came to you, I explained all this. I taught you this. I showed you this truth of what Jesus did, the finished work that he did on the cross for you. He says, I want to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish that after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human efforts? Paul says, listen, you came to Christ through and made alive in the Spirit. Christ came to live within you. He renewed you. You heard that through the gospel that I shared with you about Christ and what he did on the cross. You Gentiles didn't come to Christ through the law. So why now, after you have received Christ and a new life in him and been made right before God, you want to turn around and go back to the law and try to earn it yourself? Now, isn't that a trap we all fall in sometimes? We get to thinking it's more about what we do than who we are. It's more about the things that that you do right and wrong and all those things than it is about who you are in Christ. Forgetting that your sins have been paid for past, present, and future. That you have been given a freedom in Christ that's unprecedented. He says in five verse, chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. That's the law. We, we fall into that trap so many times. So many times when we're telling people about the faith that we believe, it's about the do's and the don'ts instead of the life in Jesus. Jesus says, when you have the life in me, when Christ lives in me, then you know what's produced in me? In chapter 5, he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the things that are produced in you. Those things aren't produced in you by the law. They're produced in you by the work of Jesus Christ in your life. But see, when we don't know the truth, we fall into those kind of mix-ups. He goes on to tell them, we can go back to Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. He says, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel. He says, verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach, let him be eternally condemned. Let him be eternally condemned. Don't sit underneath the preaching or teaching of someone who's mishandling the truth of God's word. It doesn't matter if it's Pastor Steve. It doesn't matter if it's me. It doesn't matter if it's some guys dressed in black knocking on your door trying to get you to read the watchtower. It doesn't matter who it is. You don't sit underneath the teaching of somebody who's trying to pervert, add to, take away from the gospel and the finished work of Jesus Christ. The truth matters. Truth matters. But there's a key to all that, isn't there? If you're sitting under someone's teaching or someone knocks on your door or somebody asks you a question, there's a key to that, isn't there? You've got to know the truth, right? You've got to know it. See, it's truth whether you know it or not. You understand what I'm saying? It's true whether you know it or not. But it's the known truth that has the power to change your life. Peter told us in, in chapter 1, I mean chapter 3, verse 15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. 
Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Be able to give a defense of your faith. Could you explain what you believe and why you believe it? If I brought you up on this stage and said, okay, explain to me what you believe about this faith you claim and why you believe it, how would you do? Let me make this real for you, if I could. You guys know that I'm, as a youth pastor, been a youth pastor 26 so years, I read a lot about youth and, and the, the struggle because I'm infatuated with the understanding of, of youth when we have them in church and then when they leave us while we're losing so many. And one of the studies was done where they asked a whole bunch of young people that had left the faith, that had left church and gone off, and when they got the freedom that they get at 18 or wherever, they decided that it wasn't for them when they made their own decision. And they asked them, a bunch of those kids, why did you leave the faith? And there was four big ones, but one of them that stood out to me was as they were growing up, when they had questions about faith, either their parents could not answer it or refused to answer. Either their parents couldn't answer their questions about faith or they shunned the answer or put it off or wouldn't answer it. Truth matters. It does. Or we, or we, we see a church like Galatian, the Galatian church, and, and how somebody was able to come in and bring a different truth than what they knew or didn't know and was able to pervert the gospel that Paul had preached to them. So why is it important to pursue the truth? Let me give you six reasons. Number one, it gives substance to my faith. It gives substance to my faith when I know the truth. When I say I am a Christian, then I am making the proclamation that I am Christ-like. Because that's what the word means. Did you know that the word Christian means Christ-like? So when I proclaim to the world that I am a Christian, much like Paul says, hey, if you want to follow Jesus, then follow me because I'm following him with everything that I have. When you say, I am a Christian, you're basically saying to the world, if you want to know what a picture of Jesus looks like, then look at me because I'm following him. And when I know the truth of God's word, what it does is it helps me to know who Jesus is and helps me to know how I'm supposed to live. So when I step out into the world and I proclaim my faith, then when they look at me, they go, something's different. He's not matching up. Just like Jesus stood out amongst the people that he lived around, you also would stand out. It gives substance to your faith, the faith that you claim in front of the whole world. Number two, it stabilizes me during times of testing. Anybody here went through any testing lately? Anybody had any trials they've had to deal with lately? See, it stabilizes you during times of testing when... When the boss walks in and says, I'm sorry, there's no job for you anymore. Or maybe you go to the hospital or to the doctor's appointment and the diagnosis is not good. And you're left with going, what am I going to do? What about my future? How am I going to tell my family? 
Or maybe you've lost a loved one. See, the Word of God, the truth of God, builds a foundation that we can stand on. And when the world is shaking around us, we have a firm foundation to stand on. It wasn't seemed too long ago, several years now, that uh, me and my wife were in a room with a doctor who came in, said, it's, it's, it's not good, it's malignant, it's rare, it's not curable, she's not going to live. And, you know, the, my world just started shaking. And there was, there was a room full of people that I had to go tell this to that were waiting in the, other, in the room with, with Belle. And Pastor Steve, as good as he is, he was standing there with me, and he says, do you want me to do it? I said, no. I said, I'll do it. It's one of the hardest, probably the hardest, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But as I was walking in there, God's word just, man. The truth in, in 1 Peter, he says, my hope is in the Lord. My hope is in glory. I have a hope in glory. This world could fall apart, and my hope is in glory. This world is not all there is. And in that moment, I had the strength to do it. See, God's word, his truth stabilizes me during times of testing. It helps me to realize that this world is not all there is. I have, I have this much time here on this earth, but I have this much time and more in glory with hev- in heaven with Jesus. Stabilizes me. Number three, it equips me to detect and confront error. When I'm sitting and I'm listening to someone teach and they're opening up the Bible and they're saying this is this and this is this and this is true, you know what? I've also studied the Bible and I can tell if they're telling the truth or not. The Holy Spirit living in me bears witness and goes, boom, I don't know if that's true. And I'm not just going to automatically believe everything that I hear a preacher on TV tell me. I'm going to go back and I'm going to check it myself because I have the same Bible and I have the same Holy Spirit living in me and I can check it myself. But the more of the truth I know, the less likely I am to have Judaizers come into my life and tell me Jesus is not enough. It equips me to detect and confront error. It enables me to handle Scripture correctly when dealing with others. When somebody comes to you with a challenge or somebody's got some behavior problems or there's something going on and I sit down with them, instead of throwing pop psychology at them, I can open God's word up and I can say, here's the truth of God's word and what it means for you. Or maybe somebody's sitting in a chair and I need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And because I know the truth of his word, I'm able to share the gospel with them clearly and plainly. Or maybe I'm a parent and I'm trying to raise a child. And I'm trying to teach them about the truth of God's word. So one day they don't take off and leave the faith. Enables me to handle scripture correctly when I'm dealing with others. Number five, it makes me confident in my walk. Has Satan ever told you you're worthless? Has he ever told you you're, you're no good? Has he ever said, how can you get up and preach in front of a bunch of people? How can you talk to somebody about your faith? How can you do that when you're worthless? 
See, Satan's a liar. As a matter of fact, I love what Jesus said about Satan. He says when he lies, he speaks his native language. He's a liar and the father of lies. So, hey, when Satan speaks, it's, his native language is lie. It's automatically going to be a lie. When he says you're worthless, you can't do that. Look what you did in your past. Look what you did, how you messed up here. You, you remember those scriptures like Romans 5, 8 that says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 3, 16, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. The scriptures where it says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he knows you so well that he has the, the number of hairs on your head counted. Now, some of us make it easier on God than others. I can see some of y'all. It doesn't mean he loves you less. I have a few hairs, and they're precious. He knows every one of them too, right? But when Satan throws his lies at me, I don't, I don't have to listen to him because God's word just nullifies him. Jesus, when Satan was throwing lies at him when he's being tempted, he just said, truth, truth, truth. Sorry, Satan, you ain't got anywhere to stand. Satan, he's a liar. He don't know what to do with the truth. Truth matters with him. The last one is it filters out my fears and my superstitions. See, when there's lack of knowledge in an area, we, we fill it in with something. Most times it's not true. I, I remember as a kid laying in my bed one night. I don't know how old I was, 10 years old. And where I live, when it's dark, it's dark. There's no ambient light from a city. There's no street lights. We're in the country. When it's dark, it's dark, Okay. So it was one of those nights where pitch black, could see nothing. And so all of a sudden, the screen comes off my window, pops off my window. And I'm like, oh, no, what is going on, right? And I hear fumbling around and, and bumping, and all of a sudden, my window starts opening, pulling down, coming down. And I'm, I'm laying in the bed. You know how you do when you're 10. You got the covers this far over your head, thinking maybe it'll all go away if I cover my head up. I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that's taught by parents. but um, So I'm thinking, I don't know, somebody's coming in to, to rob me. They're going to try to hurt me. Maybe it's the monster my brother tells me lives in the woods behind the house. I have no clue. And so I'm sitting there thinking all that. I'm going, he's going to kill me. Somebody's going to, and, and all of a sudden, the, door, the window comes all the way down, and a big boom lands on my bed. Now, I flipped out at that point. I'm just going to tell you, I came straight out of the bed, and went over and flipped the light on. And I turned around and looked to see the truth of what, what it was. And it was a stupid cat. And I know you're not supposed to say stupid, but that was a stupid cat. <laughs> it had taught itself evidently to pull screens off windows and open the window to get in. Um, but see, when I didn't know what it was, I filled all that in with everything else. My fears and my superstitions fill it up. And that's the way it is with God's Word. When we hear something and we don't know the truth... Our mind will fill the gaps with stuff that's not true. But if I know the truth of God's word, what it does is it helps me to fill in that so I don't have to fill it in with lies. I fill it in with truth. If I'd had God's word that night, I'd probably hit that cat with it, to be honest with you. You know, we just, I don't know if you've been noticing in California, the TV's got all taken over by this message that the world was coming to an end. Did y'all read about that? It's supposed to happen yesterday, by the way. You missed it somehow. I don't know. Maybe it just ended in California. But the world was supposed to end yesterday, and everybody was scared about it. They were calling people, and 
I mean, they're fierce, and they didn't know the truth of God's word, so they were filling in because some goofball told them God was coming back and ending the world. I got a, um, I love A.W. Tozer, and I love reading his books, and he comes up with some great quotes, but I want you to listen to this quote as we close. He said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me say that again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Our belief or lack of it inevitably translates itself into our actions, our attitudes, and our views of the world. The things that we know about God. The things that we know about God are the most important things about us. Because that will affect your complete worldview, your life, your attitudes, your actions. Out of that knowledge of the holy flows everything. Truth matters. So this morning, I, I don't know, honestly, I struggle with how to end this message because I, I don't know where that lands with you. I don't know if, if you have failed to defend the truth, to teach the truth, to live by the truth, or you've just neglected God's word. You just haven't, it's not a part of your life. You just haven't spent your time reading God's word, his love letter to you, so he can show you how much he loves you. But this morning, I want to open the altar. If you need to come and deal with the Lord in any way, uh, you come do that. If there's some, something you need to get right with God, you come and talk to him. He's here. He loves you. Don't listen to Satan's lies. Don't let his darts hit you. Don't buy into his lies and say, no, I can't go forward. Somebody, what's people going to think? Just deal with the Lord today. Whatever it is that's on your heart. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth. When the world and Satan and the lies that are thrown around, Father, he would want nothing more than to get us away from what we know about you. He's, a, he's jealous, Lord. He, he doesn't want us to follow you and to love you and to live for you and tell others about you. So, God, I pray that today that we would understand how important your word is for us. How it, it enables us and equips us, helps us to see error. And God, I just pray, God, that you would just remind us of who you are today and how important it is to know you and to be known by you, Father. We love you and we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.